We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What a day. I, I was outside cleaning up leaves and just sat there on the old John Deere and said, this is really good stuff. This is... As good as it gets on October 22nd, a bit of a breeze, sunny skies, warm temps, great day to get some yard work done or, or that matter. And I see my neighbors out there getting some fall cleanup done. Just terrific. And if you're spending part of your day with us, we certainly do appreciate that. The Timberwolves, one and one out of the gate this year. They struggled in the third quarter, found a way to beat an Oklahoma City team that could lose 60 games this year. And then they take on Utah, Rudy Gobert's old team. And they had a solid lead at the half, another miserable third quarter, rally from seven down late in the game inside of two minutes, get it to overtime, and then fall in overtime. And at times, uh, the Timberwolves looked like the same old Timberwolves. Pretty poor defense and uh, inconsistent offensively. Anthony Edwards had 30 points last night. For whatever reason, it didn't feel like 30. Did not score in overtime. Chris Finch talked to the media following the game. and We heard it on the Pose Game Show with Cal Soderquist and Alan Horton. And uh, we, we talked about it again that at times the offense looked stagnant. Like they weren't sure what they were supposed to do, how they're supposed to work together in overtime. But not getting the ball to Anthony Edwards and putting him in a spot in overtime for him to be able to score. Carl Anthony Towns, off to a slow start this season, has done some good things, didn't get a full training camp in, uh, coming over the illness that that he suffered, uh, missed early in training camp. So the Timberwolves not completely on the same page yet going forward, but there are sky-high expectations. And Friday night, a big crowd, the Utah Jazz in town. They get beat in overtime, certainly a disappointment. They will be back at it on Sunday night at Oklahoma City, a team they absolutely positively have to beat. Then you come home for two with the San Antonio Spurs before the L.A. Lakers come to town next Friday night. So a lot of home cooking and a favorable schedule uh, for the Timberwolves early as they get it figured out. One thing you can say, Rudy Gobert is the real deal. Another thing you can say, this Utah Jazz team, uh, even though they traded away Gobert, uh, still are going to cause problems for teams 
in the NBA's Western Conference. Are they a title contender? Probably not, but they have some ingredients where they can make it miserable on any given night, and they certainly did for the Timberwolves last night. So we'll, we'll get into that in more detail. We do have a final out of Boston today, and the Bruins beat the Wild 4-3 to in overtime. So the Wild get an overtime victory in the homestand finale, salvaging the final game of the homestand against the Vancouver Canucks. And then uh, they get a point in Boston, and uh, now are officially 1-3-1 and on the season. And I, I guess I don't understand how they work this or why they continue to do this in the NHL. If you get it to overtime, you get a point, and some games are worth three points, and games that end in regulation are only worth two. I, I think it's overly complicated. I, I don't like the way they hand out points in the NHL. I despise the shootout. Deciding regular season games and awarding points based on a shootout, a gimmick. I'll say it again. It would be like Major League Baseball going to the 10th, and if there's no score after the 10th, having a home run derby to decide who won the game. I'm serious. There would be no difference to me. it, It would be like in the NFL, on the rare occasion you play in overtime and it ends there, you'd have a field goal kicking contest. Uh, to decide it. Kickers line up from 40. If they make, you go back to 50. You line up, you go back to 60. And and deciding, it, it just makes logically no sense whatsoever to continue to do it. But the NHL is in that boat. And in overtime, the Bruins beat the Wild uh, 4-3. to three, And it goes without saying. Uh, but we are seeing improvement. Uh, first two games, they gave up six, seven goals. They gave up six to the defending Stanley Cup champ, Colorado Avalanche. One of those, I know, an empty net goal, but but it still counts as six. And then they come back, get the win over Vancouver uh, in overtime, and then fall in overtime today to the Bruins in Boston. So uh, one thing you can't forget about the Minnesota Wild is that, that the Minnesota Wild are still in a very desperate salary cap situation. That that they are probably skimping because they can't afford to spend money. The owner Craig Leopold wants to spend money, and he'll spend right up to the cap every year. I'm convinced Craig Leopold wants to win a Stanley Cup, uh, but you still have Parisi and Suter's contracts, and the next two seasons. This season and next season are the ones where they're really in trouble. I think they finally get beyond it after that, and then we'll be able to properly build around Kirill Kaprizov and the other young pieces. But in in reality, if the Wild can be competitive in a playoff team, considering where they are at salary cap-wise and how much dead money there is in that salary cap, paying off Parisi and Suter, if, if they can be competitive and be a playoff team as they get through this, that, that would really be something uh, for Bill Guerin to pull off. A uh, lot more to come. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs as well. A little bit later on, college hockey. Jess Myers will join us. Minnesota and North Dakota renew their men's hockey rivalry this weekend. 
Uh, we'll get Jess. Uh, thrilling victory for the Golden Gophers on Friday night. Same two teams tonight. A little bit later on in the program, preview Penn State and Minnesota in the Happy Valley. We'll have a rundown of all the college football scores. Big Ten, top 25. Jonathan Lowell handled the honors there. And then, of course, uh, as those MIAC and Northern Sun games go final, we'll get some game reports in between now and 6 o'clock. It is a Sports Saturday here at News Talk. E3OWCCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. MLB American League Championship Series first today. Houston and New York Astros up two games to none. And they are proving that they are the best team in the American League. And that every other team in the American League is in some way, shape, or form flawed. I give Cleveland a lot of credit. Uh, The Guardians had a really nice run. They pushed the Yankees to five games. But uh, limited payroll, limited options in that everyday lineup. And then New York, same deal. They have some excellent players. But... For a New York Yankee team that's spending that kind of money, they have holes in that lineup. This Houston team is deep. And, oh, by the way, Carlos Correa not part of it anymore. They, they moved on from Correa. And if you think about that, there, there is no question, and I know it goes without saying now with them up two games to none, they're the best team in the American League. And if New York is able to rally, you could say it's an upset. Houston is is clearly the better team. And what about Justin Verlander? Uh, he was great in Detroit. Then had the lull. And now late in his career is absolutely lights out. And I threw it out there. It's, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I, I knew the answer. It, it was one of those Twitter polls, and you kind of find out where people are at. But the consensus is... Easy, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer. Produced for Jonathan Lowe. He's a good baseball fan. Uh, he has to deal with the Kansas City Royals as of late. But but your Royals did win a world championship not all that long ago with that lights-out bullpen. But the Houston Astros, and I did not watch the Astros a ton this year. Watch from afar. Saw how they dominated the American League West. They are proving. They are the cream of the crop in the American League. They are the best team, there's no doubt. Yeah, I I don't think that there's any question now. If if the Yankees can get three and four, they've got Garrett Cole going tonight. They've got Nestor Cortez 
pitching tomorrow. If they can get three and four and get some momentum, you can get momentum in a series and take a team out uh, that's better than you with momentum. That, that's what happened really in throughout the National League. The Padres had more talent, but the Mets seemed to, seemed to have better overall like starting pitching. Well, it's top-end starting pitching with Scherzer and DeGrom, but the Padres took that series two out of three. Then they faced the 111-win L.A. Dodgers, who had dominated them not just this year but the last few years. And some, some way, the Padres got momentum after, I believe, losing game one of the series, they got momentum and were able to win that in five or in four. And the Phillies took out two division winners in the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves. So you don't have to be the better team in the MLB postseason. If you can get on a roll, if you can get your starting pitching to really give you three or four good outings, you have a shot. The thing with Houston is that they're, the stars that are there, we know. We know Altuve. We know Bregman. Yeah. We know Verlander. Uh, we know uh, Bregman. But there are – did I say Bre- – I think I said Bregman twice. Anyway, um, Jordan Alvarez. Oh, we know Gurriel. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, you know, he's become a beast at the plate. He's become a very difficult hitter to – to get out or strike out, uh, he's he's got a lot of home run power, and he's a dangerous hitter in that lineup. Jeremy Pena has come in as a rookie and really done a phenomenal job replacing Carlos Correa. That's why they felt they could move on from Carlos Correa because they had a guy like Jeremy Pena in the fold, and he's proving it in this, especially in this off or this postseason. He's he's proving his worth. So Houston has those guys. You have guys in that pitching rotation that they're studs, but you don't really hear about them. Fremer Valdez and Jose Urquidy, uh, Lance McCullers Jr. You don't really hear a ton about those guys because Verlander is the star, and they had Garrett Cole until the, uh, a couple of years ago. So Houston's loaded. They're stacked with a lot of talent, and like you said, they don't have they don't have a ton of holes. Uh, where where they're really glaring. So this is going to be a tough team to to finish off the rest of the postseason. They are they are right now the favorite to win it all. Yeah, and you, back to Verlander. When you have an ace like that, eighteen and four uh, this this season is ERA one point seven five, and you look over his career stats, two hundred forty four career victories. He's not going to get anywhere. He's 39 years old. He's not going to get anywhere near 300 victories before he's done. But in in this era and how pitchers are being used, what, what Verlander's done first with the Tigers and now the Astros. And once again, there's been injuries along the way and some seasons where you're kind of like, you know, 2015, you know, 5 and 8. Um, but he made the move over to Houston. Uh, had a 21-win season in 2019. This guy is is the real deal and is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably not a unanimous, but uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I don't uh, know how Verlander. he could. I really don't know how he couldn't be unanimous. Um, he's he's the only thing that 
he won't have is the quote-unquote 300 wins. But you're not going to get that anymore with the five days, no, uh, no. Fi- the five starters in the lineup, in the rotation, and the X analytics. where you get no decision. Yeah, the analytics where you're, where you're taking sure. guys out maybe through five. and where, Last night was an, was an interesting example with, with the National League series, and I'll, uh, you'll probably get to that in a second. But they took the, the starter out after five innings. He only threw 68 pitches. And yeah. I know managers are now so scared to have these these pitchers, these starters go through the lineup three times that they're pulling them. 68 pitches? I, I, they I've don't pull little before. leaguers after 68 pitches. I, I, I've said it before, and i say it again. It'll be a backlash. And, and, a, and a quick rant on, on the numbers, guys. It, Joe Madden got let go by the Los Angeles Angels and, and did a book. And here, here's a guy, Joe Madden, great job in Tampa, uh, manages the Cubs to a World Series. Uh, they pull the pin on him because he was in disagreement, bottom line, w- with the stat geeks. And the pendulum has swung so far in the direction of the analytics, and this is what the numbers say, that eventually that'll even out, that eventually there'll be a backlash, and they're going to let managers manage the game. Numbers are a part of the equation. They're not the entire equation in the game. I I mean, I I just can't imagine that, speaking of the Houston Astros, Dusty Baker doesn't have a little leeway around the numbers. I mean, come on. I mean, if a guy's rolling, is Dusty Baker saying, well, the numbers say I got to go take him out. I, I, I got to go get him out. I, I, I just don't believe that. Justin, and, and I think you're going to see you're going to see the pendulum swing back to more balance between what the numbers say and what the scouting reports and what the stats say in the feel and the moment of the game. If a guy's rolling, he's rolling. The 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 numbers geeks are going to say, but third time through the order, you know, come on. It, I'm not a fan of it. And hopefully that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to some balance. And it illustrates your point. Pulling a guy after 68 pitches, give me a break. So I'm trying to uh, get to this real quick here. The uh, box score that he had on uh, Friday, on uh, Wednesday. I was here Wednesday night. For the, um, Timberwolves, for the Timberwolves game, opener, yeah. yes, uh, covering that uh, here on the board, and Verlander was pitching. It was game one of the series. Verlander started uh, with that that gym, and he had struggled, I believe, through the first couple of innings. He struggled; his pitch count was getting up there. Then he settled down. Then he settled down, and they left him in there, and he had eleven strikeouts, six innings, eleven strikeouts. You. You don't get that if you're going out there after four and saying, "Okay, you're up around 80 pitches. We need to pull you." You know, sometimes you got to let a guy, especially a workhorse, a known workhorse, work his way out of that stuff and totally get agree. through four, five, six, maybe even into the seventh, and just see how much he's rolling. Maybe take him out after 105, but not after 80 or or 68. So, game three coming up in the ALCS, Astros-Yankees, Houston up two games to none in that one. 
uh, Javier against Cole in that one. And then tonight, it'll be San Diego at Philadelphia. Philly's up two games to one. Clevenger against Falter. And I, I looked this up, and take a moment to look it up. I'm not going to bore you with all the numbers. But take a chance to, if you're at all an MLB fan, how many teams have fired a manager during the season and made it to the playoffs, let alone a league championship series? It ain't many over the long history of the major leagues. Joe Girardi got fired by the Phillies. They were league and water, and it raised a lot of eyebrows. They got rid of Joe Girardi, former Yankee manager. Phillies get rid of him, and now they're two wins away from the World Series. So uh, quite a turnaround for the Phils. Uh, interesting series there. I-, I wouldn't be unhappy if either team made it, but but I am pulling for the Padres because the Padres, I give them a ton of credit. Smaller market, in the shadow of the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, slay the uh, mighty dragon that is the L.A. Dodgers. And another thing they did is their, their management, their ownership went all in. Um San Diego's not a big market. Uh, they got a great ballpark in Petco, but they went all in this year, and they got a rally, a huge uh, game four coming up in that series for San Diego. But that is uh, a great story on uh, a smaller market team uh, pushing them all into the middle of the table and have had quite a run this year. But, uh, you know, they're, they're season made when they were able to knock the Dodgers out of the playoffs. All right, we got to run. We got the weather coming up. And then uh, Jess Myers will join us from the rink live. Huge college hockey series in town. Uh, now that the Timberwolves played on Friday night, uh, the stage here in the Twin Cities, North Dakota, Minnesota men's hockey. Uh, we'll get into that with Jess here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. We've all heard the term, remember the good old days Whatever it is, automobiles, vintage sitcoms, you name it. How about college hockey? Remember the good old days of the WCHA, Minnesota and North Dakota and big crowds in Grand Forks or in Minneapolis? The good old days are back if Friday night is any indication. Jess Myers joins us from the rink live and uh, Jess wow 10,000 plus an overtime thriller Minnesota and North Dakota that's great stuff Steve one of my favorite songs going way back is by Billy Joel it's called keeping the faith and he's got a line that says the good old days weren't always good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems that's that's my thought you know (laughs) what more do you want and and yeah there was some great college hockey 20 years ago 30 years ago 50 years ago but mo- what more do you want than what you just m- named? Two great teams, arch rivals, teams that don't like each other, good hockey, drama, a full building. I mean, last night had absolutely everything. So as much as I loved the college hockey I grew up with, uh, last night was about as good as it gets. Yeah, it, it really is extraordinary. It, it almost feels like this came out of nowhere. I know high expectations for Minnesota, North Dakota, the the great tradition. We all know about the rivalry. But I am surprised that they had almost 10,500 in the building last night. That that jumps out at me, Jeff. 
Well, and, and one thing, you've got to credit the North Dakota fan base because they travel well, and it doesn't matter where it is. I joke, any college hockey arena I go to in the country, I go to a, a Gophers-Notre Dame game in South Bend, Indiana, and I'll see at least one person with a North Dakota jersey on. It's just <laughs> like they're everywhere. And so this is obviously a series that the, that's a rivalry. You've got a lot of North Dakota alumni that live in the Twin Cities, and let's face it, uh, it's a fun weekend out of Grand Forks to come to the Twin Cities, maybe do some shopping, see some good hockey. So there were a couple thousand green jerseys in that building last night. There will be again tonight. It just it just makes it that much more fun, I think. Uh, Matthew Nyes had the great line after the game, and he scores the overtime winner, and he said it was almost like there were two student sections in the building kind of competing with each other. Obviously, the, the Gopher students turned out in huge numbers, and they were loud, and they were raucous. And then you had a whole other, not even one section, but throughout the building, folks in green supporting their team. Um, they haven't gotten the word about the nickname change there yet, which is unfortunate no. because uh, North Dakota's got a new nickname, and, and they don't seem to uh, – they don't seem to acknowledge that quite yet. It's only been like eight years or something. Give them some time. Yeah, I, I think it might take two or three generations, actually, before <laughs> that, that side of their system up there. But but I will. Um, I, I've told you this story before, and I've told a lot of people. My, my mom and dad had season tickets going back to the old building, into the new building, and then when they raised the fees and the donations, and, and they got to an age where it's like, you know, parking a half a mile away and walking in the cold isn't what they wanted to do anymore. But those were great nights, and the rivalries are so much fun. There's just a buzz in the building that is hard to replicate, and it's great to hear. You know, I followed you on Twitter, followed the game last night, and Minnesota really dominated play. And for that one to go to overtime and then ultimately win it, I think a little hockey justice was served because they played well all night. And that was not uh, the way the script was supposed to go. The Gophers have a ton of offense. North Dakota struggled defensively last weekend. At home last weekend, they gave up 11 goals in two games. So the Gophers might have come into this one licking their chops a little bit, thinking, you know, we're going to put up a half dozen goals. And it just didn't follow that kind of script. I thought North Dakota was very good defensively. Uh, they have Drew DeRitter now in goal. And for those folks who follow Big Ten hockey, that's a name you know because he's been at Michigan State the last four years and has been very good on some Spartans teams that were not very good. Now he's got a better team in front of him, and you saw the effect of that last night. And he's still one of those goalies where he likes to hang on to the puck. He likes to glove it and freeze it and get a face-off. So – that inhibits the other team from getting a lot of flow, and I think that was maybe part of the plan last night for North Dakota. They played a great defensive game. They, they, they did everything they had to do, and talking to their players and their coach after the game, they said, save for the last two minutes, we liked everything we did. Yeah. <laughs> Gophers and North Dakota again tonight at 3M Arena at Mariucci. They'll drop the puck at 7 o'clock. It'll be on Valley Sports North again tonight, and Another full building expected for that. By the way, Jess Myers joins us on the rink live on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline here at News Talk E3OWCCO. Before I run out of time, Jess, want to get your thoughts. Uh, the Wild have bounced back a little bit. At least they're starting to get points. Three dreadful performances to open the season. And then they come back, find a way to beat Vancouver, uh, get two points at home, then go on the road and... Uh, find a way to get a point against the Bruins in Boston today. 
So as bad as that 0-3 start was, giving up 20 goals in three games, uh, things are starting to equalize a little bit for the Wild. I still am concerned it could be a long year. You know, there are a lot of kinks to work out. Let's put it that way. They, uh, they've got a ton of offense. I really like what this team does when it has the puck. Defense was obviously a disaster in those first three games. I'm the glasses half full guy. I'll say going into Boston, and the Bruins are a very good team, and yeah. being down by two goals in somebody else's building in the second period, managing to get a point out of that, I'll take that as a, you know, a, a good sign for a team that's still getting its feet under it right now. Um, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't forgotten everything he knew about goaltending just yet. I, I'm, I'm not ready to write this one off. Yeah, they have some stuff to be concerned with. Yeah, they have some stuff to work on. But everybody's human. I mean, we're seeing that already. When you, when you look at this Central Division race, uh, you know, Colorado has proven that they're a human team already. So, you know, there, there's a lot of season left here. It's, it's early. It's not even, you know, Halloween time yet. So uh, don't push the panic button. But, yeah, there, there are some causes for concern and some stuff to be worked on for sure. And the only thing I would add with the Minnesota Wild, and I, I think fans can't lose sight of this. Yes, they have a generational scoring talent in Kirill Kaprizov. They have an older goalie in Mark andre Fleury who is headed for the Hall of Fame someday, and hopefully they can squeeze another good season out of him. Um, he's going to need to play a lot of hockey. Um, I, I don't think the young goalie down in Iowa is ready to come up and play 55 or 60 games in the NHL. I really don't. I don't think you want to put that on a young goaltender. They're still dealing with salary cap hell for the next couple of seasons. And until they emerge from that, I think if the Wild can be competitive and in the mix in a very deep division to get into the playoffs, I think fans should be content with that because you can't lose sight of that in a hard cap league that the Minnesota Wild are dealing with some major salary cap issues. The worst thing that maybe that the Wild did was last season because it was so much fun and there was so much offense and they charged into the playoffs and there's all this optimism built up from it. And I think you're absolutely right, Steve. If you look at the bigger picture, there there's going to be a need for some patience. There's going to be a need for uh, allowing things to play out. Those those big big salary contracts that they still got that are still kind of working their way through the system. Uh, those are still an anchor around the neck of, of the GM. So, uh, yeah, if, if folks can have a little patience, I think within two or three years, this is going to be a Stanley Cup contending team. Uh, uh, you know, And I don't think there's any doubt about that with what they've got in the system and what they've got on the team right now. But it may take a little while to get to that point where you can go out and fill some of those holes that you have. All right, final thought, Golden Gold for women's hockey. Where do they stand at the moment? They are in a barn burner right now over at Ritter Arena. St. Cloud State, which has a new coach, Brian Adolski, who has been coaching pro hockey in China, of all places. He was formerly at North Dakota. He kind of created that North Dakota women's program, which was a national title contender before the president of the University of North Dakota unilaterally just decided to pull the plug on the program about five years ago. He went to China. He's been coaching there. He's back at St. Cloud State now. The last I looked, Steve, third period, they're tied 1-1 with the Huskies in a really good game at Ritter Arena. So a sign that St. Cloud State might be an up-and-coming program, and uh, the Gophers are very, very good. Yeah, and that, that, that would be a major feather in their cap. They go in 
uh, two and five, and and I just checked nine nineteen mark. Uh, Still 1-1, Minnesota and St. Cloud State. Uh, the Golden Gophers ranked number one and unbeaten. Jess, always great. Good to visit with you. And I understand you're going to be on the huddle tomorrow uh, with Dave and Pete. Yeah, lots of hockey talk. And, and tis the season, man. This is this is so much fun. All right, Jess, always great. Thanks. There he is, Jess Myers from the rink live. Joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, and he will be back tomorrow morning. We understand uh, 10.45 on the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Najarian here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. The Minnesota Vikings are off this weekend by week into the NFL. They get to rest and uh, get ready after a very surprising 5-1 and one start. Uh, a fortunate Five and one start. I'm not trying to be negative to say that. I I just think it's factual. Um, it it just feels like it could, and that's the nature of the NFL. When you when you live in the middle, there there's the elite teams in the NFL. You get the sense that there there's a handful of clubs that are heads and shoulders above everybody else. Philadelphia, Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, th- those are the three that come to mind right now in the NFL. Jonathan, you might add another one. Maybe it isn't five. Maybe there's only three teams right now that really stand out in my mind as being superior NFL teams. And then there's usually three or four really bad teams, and then everyone else is somewhere in the middle in, in that league in particular. And it's just interesting to me the ebbs and flows of an NFL season and how player movement pans out. One of the big off-season moves was Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, and that has not worked out. There's been a lot of criticism. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism of the head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Russell Wilson is cooked, uh, and it looks like he will not play in their game against the upstart Jets this Sunday in the NFL. But wouldn't you agree, Jonathan, that that there's the elite teams and then there's two or three really bad teams and then everybody else, and you can just kind of say generally on any given Sunday and the Vikings happen to be on the right side of it at the moment? Yeah, I would say that given the talent on the team, the Vikings, I would push them higher up in that middle and closer to. I, I, I was watching one of the uh, ESPN talk shows, the the talking head shows that I watch every day, and one of the talking heads has Minnesota as his top team in the NFC right now, over Philadelphia. And Even so though Philadelphia thoroughly demolished the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. In their head-to-head matchup. That yeah. makes no sense to me, but anyway. Well, uh, I, I think that... But, but here's an example, and, and, and let me jump in because I know we're tight on time. The Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants are 5-1. and one. Do you consider either of those teams Super Bowl contenders? I, I don't. I would consider the Vikings Super Bowl contenders. I would. Really? With the way that the NFC wow. has gone over the last, over this first seven weeks of the season, six weeks of the season, I would put the Vikings up there. I would. Wow. 
and and you're a Kansas City Chiefs guy, and there's no doubt Buffalo and Kansas City um, look to me like legit contenders right now. Real quick, how what how do you think of that about this Super Bowl? Buffalo, Minnesota, one team has <laughs> oh, to win. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be that would be incredible. Can you imagine the anxiety? The, the Bills fan base and the Viking fan base. All right, we've got the news. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney coming up on CCO. Where are all the ducks? Uh, we're going to ask Steve Carney, stevecarneyoutdoors.com. Uh, Steve, you, you wanted to lead off with this one. Uh, what's going on the ducks with the ducks? Where are they? Good afternoon, Steve. I'm in a really good mood, um, mainly because I'm starting to see some northern ducks come down. All finally, right. After- after a tough, you know, 10 days, two weeks, um, yeah, I was out this morning, a lot of redheads, canvasbacks, a lot of ducks from the north are just kind of filtering down, so I was very impressed this morning, and um, it's about time. I mean, this is kind of when things get going, just prior to Halloween, and it's kind of the peak of the migration, so that's a, that's a good thing. They're just kind of just starting to filter through the northwest. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to bring up, too, though, it. It is so dry here in the greater Twin Cities area. I don't know about uh, your your neck of the woods uh, up in the northwest part of the state, but, boy, here around the Twin Cities, it is dry. We might get a little rain tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow night. Lake Minnetonka is down three, four feet. Uh, streams, rivers, uh, y- you name it. It is really dry, and we could use some rain. You know, the problem, Steve, is the bird hunters out there on pheasant, the pheasant hunters are really having a tough time with their dogs. Their dogs cannot pick up any scent when it's this dry and a lot of dust, and they're having a heck of a time. And a lot of my cronies that I hunt with are just, uh, they think they're going by the birds. They're walking right by them, and it's been very frustrating. So we need moisture bad in the lakes, you know, up in lakes country, northwest Minnesota, we're getting down there. It's, we're almost to that critical stage where we're going to have to pick and choose the lakes we can actually get on. So it seems to be a statewide thing. But otherwise, fishing is really good. It's uh, Boy, the last week has been lights out, and um, it's just been wonderful. There's not a lot of traffic out there. People have got their docks pulled in, and just us hardcores are about the only ones left. And still finding crappies and walleyes up in shallow water, six feet of water above the weeds, um, it, it's been great. I think it'll continue to be uh, awesome, you know, for the next probably to lace up. Yeah, and, and Steve, you, you've talked about that uh, fall bite, and it picked up. And I mean, this this is this is prime time. I mean, you you talk about great times of the year to get out and, and catch fish. This is about as good as it gets. Well, you know, Steve, the water temperature was about 62 about a week ago, and now it's 46. So it's gone down significantly, and that's why this bite has started. It's, you know, you get in the mid-40s, lower 40s, uh, it's it's go time. So everything's lining up to be, you know, a great next few weeks. But I do have to tell you, I did blow a shot on a doe. Um, I'm very, very disappointed. Um I was in my ground, one of my ground blinds, and I had that doe about eh, 10 yards, 11 yards in front. I drew back, and my broadhead hit the zipper on the window of my ground blind. Oh. So 
I blew I blew it, and I'm bummed out, but i got to get back on the horse. So the rut is going to be starting here, Steve, in about four or five days. It's going to start kicking in, and the two weeks that we bow hunters live for will start about the middle of this week until the firearms uh, opener on the 5th. So the next two weeks are going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah, and Steve, it's, it's, it's one of those where luck has not, been in your favor so far this season i know in past years you you you've you've had good fortune but 22 hasn't been so good for steve carney yeah i i hear you it's uh last year at this time i had you know that trophy buck and a doe down and this yeah. year i got nothing going and um yeah it's it's a little depressing but um you know the trouble with bow hunting steve is a lot of things can go wrong more things can go wrong than go right and everything has to be absolutely perfect with your scent, any type of noise, your equipment, um, you know, your, your uh, tree lines that you've cut. All these things have to be perfect in order to, you know, take a deer with archery. So a lot of things can go wrong, and that's, uh, that hasn't happened to me for probably 10 or 15 years. I've done that before, but stuff happens, you know. What do you, what do, you do? Yeah, that, that, that's the way it goes in the great outdoors. Uh, a couple of quickies before we let you go. On the pheasant hunt, a couple of guys I know have been out and good reports. They've seen birds. They've they've taken some birds, and that's good to hear. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's amazing, Steve, right now. There's a ton of corn still up, and there's even soybeans that are still up. And usually those soybeans are long gone by now, but there's still an awful lot of crops up, you know, throughout the state. So the next probably two, three weeks when they get the crops in, those birds are going to be in the cover and pheasant hunting is going to get much, much better. Probably a week, 10 days, then they're going to start coming out of those cornfields, and you'll start seeing them. So looking forward to a good fall, and I know the birds are there. You just got to give them time to, you know, get released and get out into the cover, and then we can go get them. All right, so we're going to have a front move through. We're going to hopefully get a little bit of rain here in the greater Twin Cities area, and then cooler temps, but no real cold stuff the way it looks for the coming weeks. So might might be a good uh, good one to sneak out on the water and catch some fish. A lot of stuff to do right now, Steve. It's like uh, my garage looks like Cabela's. I got, you know, so <laughs> many different things going. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you could do three, four of these different things in one day right now, and that's why October and early November is so amazing. It's just so much going on. Yeah, you don't want to put that boat away until the last possible minute, do you? Oh, you got it, Steve. Oh, you got it. All right, Steve, take care. Always good to visit. We'll do it again in a week. Hey, sounds great, Steve. Take care. All right, there he is, Steve Carney, stevecarneyoutdoors.com. Joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. He's been joining us for years here on the weekend. Quick break, we'll come back. Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press. He's at State College, PA. He's in Happy Valley for Penn State and Minnesota. Uh, Will Tanner Morgan play? We'll, we'll get into that with Andy and more as they try and break a two-game Big Ten losing streak here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Minnesota Golden Gopher football has dropped two in a row. Purdue, then Illinois. Tough spot to break a Big Ten losing streak at State College, PA, against the Penn State Nittany Lions. But that's what's ahead for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and he covers them for the Pioneer Press, and he is in the Happy Valley 
Andy Greeter joins us. And, Andy, uh, that, that is quite a scene, State College PA, for a Penn State football game at home. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gorgeous here. we got some amazing fall colors at their annual whiteout game. So everyone oh. uh, in the tailgating lots are, are uh, you know, in, enjoying it uh, and uh, rolling the football around, playing bags, grilling, drinking. Uh, the Gophers took the field here just a couple of minutes ago in their warm-ups and uh, kind of have a little team meeting at the 50th yard line. And uh, then they get back in the locker room and, and we'll get ready to go here for a nationally televised game on ABC. Yeah, and really, as I mentioned, a tough spot to break a two-game losing streak in the Big Ten, front and center, the availability of Tanner Morgan. What are your thoughts on that? They said game time decision. Are we still waiting? Uh, yeah, we're still waiting. I, I would say that it's it's pretty doubtful that he plays. Um, you know, he, he suffered a concussion uh, at the end of the Illinois game, and he's been going through uh, protocol. Um, I think he might warm up, but I, I, it's pretty doubtful that he plays. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, the setting is intimidating. I, I, I've been to State College, but that, that was pre-Mike Grimm. I did a couple of years of road <laughs> Golden Gopher men's basketball games, and we would go into State College, and the Bryce Jordan Center is right next door to the football stadium, and it is mammoth. I mean, you, you, you get there, and you're like, whoa. So <laughs> it is an intimidating scene for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the Gophers, since, you know, this is pretty much everybody's first time in this stadium because the last time the Gophers came here was in 2016. Um, you know, they they came here last night to kind of do a little bit of a walkthrough and maybe take some of the edge off of, like you said, the, the size of the stadium, the depth of it, you know, had the fact that there's going to be 100,000 people in it. They're able to see how big the stands are and kind of get a lay of the land kind of before it to maybe take that edge off. But it's not going to be anything – uh, to really get them ready for that first moment when there's 107 or whatever thousand they're going to be at this game. You know, it was amazing because the last time they came here in 2016 was just an incredibly memorable game because, you know, they were down at that time. I think they were 3-3. Three and three. They just got beat by Michigan, I think it was, which is very eerily similar to, to the situation now. They got thumped by the Wolverines. Last week it was, it was rainy and cloudy, and James Franklin was on the hot seat, and the Gophers – really were in the driver's seat in that game and went to overtime and Saquon Barkley finally got loose uh, against Tracy Clay's defense and uh, won it in overtime. And, you know, that was a really good year for the Gophers. They went nine and four, but it could have been even better because they had every chance of winning that game in Happy Valley in 2016. Andy Greedy joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. He is in State College, PA, Minnesota, and Penn State coming up. So Penn State... Five and one overall, two and one in the Big Ten, ranked number sixteen, but are only favored by five. Uh, and we know Minnesota's going to have success. They're going to need to run the football. Uh, Mo Ibrahim's had a great year, missed a game due to injury, but uh, he, he's going to need the help of his whole line, and they're going to need to run the football. No, no secret there. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's what the Gophers want to do each and every game. And I think if Tanner Morgan isn't able to play like I don't think he will, uh, then I think there there comes to a point where Penn State knows that that's Minnesota's bread and butter, and they're going to stack the box with eight, nine guys to, to take Mo out of the game. So what's really going to have to happen is if Ethan has to go, the redshirt freshman four-star recruit, 
he has to, you know, take the wheel of this Gophers offense. He's got to make plays downfield, and the wide receivers need to step up. You know, they threw for 37 yards at Illinois last week, which was a low since 2014 for this program. They did not have any sort of playmaking threat downfield last week. And Penn State has one of the best secondaries in the Big Ten. They've got two lockdown corners. They've got a ball-hawking safety. It's going to be very difficult for them to, uh, you know, come out here with, with a passing game, with a passing offense that's able to, to take shots and, and make completions because that's one of the weaknesses that the Gophers have had without Chris Ottman bell And it's coming into a new Alliance team where the secondary is one of their utmost strengths. Andy, this, this is a team that was flying high, a 4-0 and start. They were ranked. They were getting a lot of recognition, then stubbed their toe against Purdue. Uh, were, were flat that day. Then the bye week, and then they go what appears to be uh, a pretty darn good Illinois team. And Brett Bielema has done a nice job in short order uh, resurrecting that program. Um, so, so now they're in a spot where all of a sudden – they could be on a three-game skid coming home to play Rutgers, uh, and and all of a sudden the season went from, you know, four and zero to they're, they're fighting to stay, you know, above five hundred. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible uh, how much things have, how much they've struggled in October. You know, and in, in in the Purdue game they weren't able to run the ball without Mo. We talked about the Illinois game where they weren't able to pass the ball. Um, so, you know, and then we talked about the environment here with uh, number 16, Penn State, who I think might be a little bit soft. You know, I think that we talked about their, their best position group. They've got some dynamic running backs. They've got quarterback concerns as well. Sean Clifford has a, uh, an apparent shoulder injury. He might not be able to play. Uh, they've got one of the best quarterback recruits in last year's class who might be making his first start. Um, so that's why you kind of see the line at five. Um, They've, they've been a little soft as well. You know, they had a, a season-opening win against Purdue and then some wins in non-conference and then got drugged uh, last week by Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to stare a, a three-game losing streak in the face for this program, which would be a, a, a three-game streak for the first time since 2018 when P.J. was just kind of getting it off the ground here. But they've, I think they've lost 11 straight road games against ranked opponents. Um, so, yeah, there are some really – uh, ugly, unfortunate, however you want to call it, streaks that will come out of this game if the Gophers aren't able to get it done tonight. All right, and uh, Andy, once again, Minnesota and Penn State, uh, you can follow Andy on Twitter, of course, and another great uh, way is uh, follow his work online at TwinCities.com or in the paper, uh, the Pioneer Press. And then, Andy, before we let you go, one thought uh, or two on Minnesota United FC and what transpired in 2022? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was the fourth straight playoff appearance for the Loons, uh, which no one else in the Western Conference was able to do. Uh, but they bowed out in the first round in three of the four of those postseasons. Uh, you know, they had trouble scoring goals at the end of the year. They've had trouble getting a consistent striker uh, to pair with Emmanuel Reynoso. And it came back to bite them in this game. And uh, they, you know, had a short preseason or a short postseason uh, because of it. So they need to find a way uh, to reinforce their team. They need to make reinforcements along the back line. I think they need a, a number one center back. They need a youthful number one brute lockdown uh, center back uh, to kind of help this team defensively. Um, I think they need some help 
uh, along the wings. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do at the striker position. Is it going to continue to be a revolving door up top for this team? Because it's good to be consistent. It's good to be above average. It's good to make the playoffs. Uh, but when you're bowing out in the first round each year, uh, it gets a little stagnant. I, there was a uh, MLS soccer writer, uh, dot com writer that had uh, the loons just whelming. Now they didn't overwhelm, they didn't underwhelm, they just whelmed. And uh, I thought that was an apt way of, of putting where this team is at. You know, they're good, they're slightly above average, uh, but they just don't have enough uh, to consistently get over the hump in the Western Conference. Andy, always good to visit with you. Uh... And uh, enjoy the stay in State College, PA. It is quite a sight. Will do. Thanks a lot. All right, there he is, Andy Grady of the Pioneer Press, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, Big Ten football. Uh, kind of a light schedule in the Big Ten today. Uh, primetime Minnesota-Penn State, Nittany Lions favored by five. Uh, real quickly in the books, in the Big Ten, number two, Ohio State beat Iowa 54-10. Jonathan Lowell of a rundown of all the Big Ten and top 25 scores. Also in the books, Rutgers beat Indiana 24-17. Rutgers here a week from today over at the U. A couple of games in progress. Wisconsin leading Purdue 21-13. And Northwestern leading at Maryland. That great traditional Big Ten rivalry. The Wildcats and the Terrapins at the half in College Park, Maryland. I kind of kid about that. 4.30, uh, we'll have an update on the weather, and then we'll get busy on college football final here at News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.